Hey, Coop. Yeah, Dylan? Dude, do you remember Macross? Hi. Ha, ha, ha. Hello, Dylan. How, how are you doing on this fine Monday morning for me, afternoon for you? Oh, I'm doing pretty well there, Coop. How are you? I don't know why uh, I'm doing this voice. Uh, I, don't I don't know why I was I'm like, doing it either. I feel like I'm halfway between Adam West and Jeff Goldblum. I, you know what? That sounds about right. That's 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 how I feel right now. I, uh. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I'll I'll chalk it up to my shitty performative personality. Anyway, um, dude, you remember Macross? I sure do. And oh boy. Uh, these episodes were doozies. Yeah, so let's let's. I'm I'm actually pretty glad we didn't decide in, uh, to do four episodes again because yeah. this first episode is more I than think, just your simple clip show. Yeah, there there was a lot to break down in this episode, and I, as I was watching this, I had to double check to make sure we agreed to. Yeah, only do these three <laughs> episodes. I'm very happy that we because I was thinking about that myself. Did. Did we say three? Let's say four. Let's just do three. We'll play Let's, it safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So we'll just jump right into this nonsense. So following the events of the last episode, Hikaru got cro- caught in the crossfire of the Daedalus attack, and he is now in the hospital in serious condition. And uh, some doctor dude's all like, we're going to hook him up to the system. And that involves putting a plastic bag over his head with the robot connected to it. So, you know, that's a good <laughs> idea. Um, but from this, we're we're focused on Hikaru's face. And there, I, I forget the proper technical term for it, so I'm going to go with eye scan. But it's a classic film technique where the, Hikaru's face, um, everything around it turns black and his face just turns to the image of him walking, running through town in his civvies, his uh, uh, orange civvy outfit. And he's just running town, run, uh, running through town. And we see that he was running back to the Miss Macross Stadium for Min May's first concert. He's just watching on from the street. And of course, since it's a Min May concert, you get your uh, obligatory Kun Kun. And then the scene. Can't escape it. You can't escape the Kun Kun. The Kun Kun has you forever. (laughs) (laughs) And then from there, the scene changes to a giant hand just reaching out at Minmay from space and taking her. And it's apparently Britai, but as this is a dream sequence. (laughs) um, So uh, the background then melts into his Entrati ship and it's heading into the depths of space. And she's like, hey, come. Help me! Help me! And, yes. Sorry, I, it just it made me think about. So CJ uh, Jordan, my brother, and I, um, we all have kind of this running gag with uh, Robotech because one of the most commonly said lines is, "Oh, Rick." <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So when when you when you said that, it just it kind of sent me back to oh Rick. You know that might be a fun drinking game. Take a drink every time somebody says oh Rick in Robotech. <laughs> take Is two that, if it's Min May. Uh, yeah. Take one if it's Lisa. 
Or, okay. Yeah, miso, whatever. It's you all know good. I know, I know, I know. I, I, I smell that Robotech. I know what you're talking about, Holmes. <laughs> the stink never fades. <laughs> never fades. Um, from here, Hikaru's like, I'm going to save... I'm going to save Minmei, yeah, boy. However, we cut back to him in real life in his hospital bed, and he's like, twitching and struggling. Yeah. And then he takes off after her in a very clever, clever reuse of footage from his initial takeoff in episode one. Yeah, for whatever reason, I remembered this recycling of animation feeling very forced and contrived, but, like, actually kind of watching it again, I'm really impressed by how smartly they use it to tell its own coherent story within the span of an episode. Yeah, like, I... When we were sitting down to, uh, before this, I was thinking... When we were figuring how many episodes we were going to watch this week, I was thinking to myself, oh, I remember this. It was just another clip show. And I'm like, no, it's not just another clip show. It's a very... Because you see they do have some budgetary things going on, and it's a very clever use of all this old footage to tell. Uh, It works well for the whole dream setup that's going on here. They're they're hitting us with the sizzle reel while also kind of recontextualizing Hikaru's character. And also, on top of that... um, you know, they're they're kind of saving the money up for later, which we'll we'll yes. talk about when we get to the next episode. <laughs> yes, of course. So going on forward here, uh, he has uh, Hikaru's in his plane. He's flying off. He has the whole old lady conversation with uh, Misa again that he had in the first episode. Hey, why <laughs> are you up there? Hey, civilian, all that stuff. And then he figures out how to do all of the plane into robot stuff. Uh, on his own, but he is still unsuccessful in finding Minmei. And afterwards, he's walking through town, and over the loudspeaker is like, yo, check out that civilian who got shot down. He's a loser. (laughs) And then he starts talking to Roy, and Hikari's like, okay, I'm going to join the military so I can save uh, Minmei. And then he takes off on his plane again, trying to uh, oh, no, he doesn't take off on his plane again just yet. But as he's talking to Roy, um, Misa and the bridge crew rock by and they have that weird, awkward, you're the old lady. You're the dude who got shot down <laughs> encounter again. And everybody's like, yo, you got shot down. Yeah. Something I really liked about this episode is every time Hikaru fails, uh, everyone's fucking laughing at him. Yeah. <laughs> Which I feels like. Feels to me like some, like, really deep-seated, like, fear of being perceived as childish uh, for his impulsiveness. No, I can I can definitely see that. And I, I think, too, he might be aware of it because he has displayed some of that yeah. over his... And now, especially getting into this and before... This he's is a started, very Freudian episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's also growing up, so he also, in a way, he's having to like look at back at himself and in a way even though it's kind of painful it's kind of him reflecting on all that yeah um but going forward here we see the new training montage over again he does his exercises he shoots the things and now he's ready and now he takes off using the power of anime opening magic <laughs> to save minmay you have the macross and you know he's gonna win 
and he screws up again, and then he twitches again in real life. Uh, I'm I'm a dream a brain that's injured. And then Hikari's like, well, if that didn't work, I'm going to armor up my Valkyrie. And uh, Misa's like, dude, why do? And he's all <laughs> like, well, I love the Minmay fam, so I'm going to go take after it. And he fails again, and he heads back to the base. He decides the next time, oh, I'm going to get on a bike and just go into space. I know I can make it this time. <laughs> like, I don't even need a Valkyrie. And then he gets chastised over the radio again and people are like oh uh loser crash king yeah uh he tried to go into space using his own force of will instead of anything but he failed he's a loser what a loser what a loser what a blockhead yeah he oh rick (laughs) (laughs) uh and then following this failure Max, Miksa, and Kakisaki show up and they're like, we're going to help you out. And they reuse the footage of them getting in the reconnaissance plane to go take a look at the Centradi stuff from earlier. Yeah. And they're like, we're going to head on in here. And Max does his thing. He cleans stuff up. They sneak aboard the ship and they use the old plane clothes trick again to sneak around and get through and go through the bridge and things go boom like they did before. And then the group gets split up again as it happens. And Misa and Hikaru are able to find Minmei because they hear her voice. They hear her singing. But they find her on this weird floating island in the middle of space being held by Britai, apparently. And so Hikaru's like, I'm going in alone. I'm going to save my girl. And a Valkyrie just materializes for him to pop on into. And naturally. Hikaru- yes, naturally. I, 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 I like how do. much... Like, I I don't mean to cut off. Uh, no, no, go ahead. But like, I I really find it something about like the fact that like yes, this is just a clip show. It's a sizzle reel of like some of the better or mo- most memorable moments from the show. I I find it really entertaining, like how much that they are using that, but also leaning into the it's a fever dream. So like things will pop up when you least expect them. Uh, time and space have no real consistency. Mm-mm. It is all over the place. And speaking of that lack of consistency, when Hikaru shows up to grab Minmei, she's like, it's not going to work because, you know, Kaifun says I can't go out with soldiers. And who we thought was Britai turns into Kaifun. Yeah. And Hikaru's all like, well, if I can't be with her as a soldier, I'll be with her as a civilian, and then rip, rips away his tracksuit into his other tracksuit, and <laughs> Kaifun just melts away. You know, I would love to have a tracksuit that rips away into another tracksuit, but... I would love f- Kaifun to melt away. <laughs> that too. That too. He deserves that. He he. His wicked witch of the ass bitch needs to go away. <laughs> I just spoke English, people. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So, <laughs> going on from here, um, Hikaru does the classic, I'm going to pick you up my plane hand and fly away, and there's a, they do the iconic, 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 uh, iconic, iconic plane cast scene again, and Which, they, like, every time I see that scene, dude, I, I get, like, it's really good. <laughs> yeah, like, it almost gives you, like, chills, it's so yeah. well done. 
Ooh, boy. It's crazy. Like, they, they fucking started out strong with that fucking clip. Yeah, they did. Mwah. That was episode two, right? Uh, I believe so. Episode two or episode three. One of those two. Mm. It's a it's a damn good clip. Anyway, yeah. Yes, it is. Um, so... The plane, <laughs> it's a little screwed up. So Hikaru ejects the front of the plane, and it turns into his prop plane, which flies back into the middle of the Macross's bowels. And uh, they walk around again. They find that giant airlock, and they find, oh, in the window, here's that giant Centrati fleet. And the moment they see that, Hikaru's actual memory splits in to when him and Misa saw it, and then it cuts back and just like, Minmay? We were just, what? You're just a different person? What happened? I don't know. Oh, sure sounds like a good excuse to see a 15-year-old girl shower again. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, and that makes it even more obvious this time he was peeking. And I'm yeah. just like, What a relatable protagonist. So relatable. Anyway. Um, they end Let's up just, just roll right past that. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, they end up just hanging out by the prop plane and they talk about how it's been so long because they've hung out alone, especially since Mimei won the Miss Macross and they're pretty unsure what's going to happen to them from here. And apparently, despite a rat crawling on, they're like, oh, paparazzi took pictures of us cuddling. Nobody must know. <laughs> <laughs> and from here, they're like, yeah, you rescued me, Hikaru. But, you know, Hikaru then thinks to himself, we're, you know, we're kind of drifting apart here because you have your career and I have mine. And they talk about bride talk again because she's like, this is what I'd want to be. And it, and it mentally flashes to, oh, they're in wedding attire. And, oh, they're going to do this impromptu wedding all over again. And she's all like, if we wake up from this dream, let's actually get married. And then he's all like, I'm not sure. You've been, I, I don't know what's going on. You've Things have felt kind of weird between us. And she's like, how dare you? And throws it right back in his face. And it's like, this was your idea anyway for this whole marriage thing. And he's trying to, he's fumbling through his words. And he's like, well... We kind of live in different word worlds, and I don't have the best words to describe it right now, so sorry if it makes me kind of sound like a dick. And from there, memories of him kissing Misa intersplice, and he's like, why is Misa here now? And this dream Misa's like, well, we're both soldiers, so it makes a little more sense. And then Hikaru wakes up. Somebody had taken the bag off his head. He's doing good. And he's all like, oh, boy, that was a dream. <laughs> he's like trying to convince himself that it was a bad dream. <laughs> yeah. Or if it wasn't just a scene off of his reality. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah so let's talk about this. Episode. Yes. Because there, there um, was so much here. I. Yeah. So it, it really does. I don't want to say it's just like, do you remember love? But it, it, it kind of takes like the greatest hits moments of the show so far and kind of turns it into its own self-contained story similar to do you remember love yes um and you know i don't know it's just 
it, it was a really interesting way to kind of, like, break down Hikaru's character arc and, like, where he currently is in a way, in an introspective way that, like, we have not seen. Mm-mm. Because I, I think with this, too, um, like, in the last couple episodes we've been watching, or last couple weeks or whatever, it's Hikaru more and more has been thinking about that gap between him and Minmay ever since she got popular and started taking off here. And that gap has only widened even more with Kaifun. Because even though he's her cousin, apparently, uh, he sees that as jealousy or competition. Yeah. And their stations in life, especially near the end there, it's, it's kind of a realization of, okay, I'm in a very different spot in life right now than Minmay is. And you know, this, this might not work out, you know, it's like I, in my dreams, quite literally in this case, I wish it would all work out, but I'm just not sure. He, he wishes he could go back from being a soldier and live a civvy life. Yeah. Cause uh, it's, it's, it's nasty. Like the beginning of this is kind of having him like kind of cling to that. And he like kind of, the way I think about it, too, with um, him just becoming in the military to go save, save Minmay, it actually mirrors pretty well what actually happened because Minmay was who pushed him into going to the military to begin with for flying. Like yeah. all of Hikaru's choices up to this point have really only be, been because Minmay goaded him into it. So yeah. he's kind of having to now examine. All of what that. he wants and what he's trying to accomplish. Yeah, what he wants for himself, not just to appease Minmay, now that he's realizing this gap is here and trying to maybe develop more thoughts of his own in this uh, yeah. circumstances. And especially when you have put Misa into the mix here, she's very much like, dude, think for yourself, you know, just stop on this crazy neurotic stuff and just go down straight and narrow or go down a path at least. Yeah. I think uh, something interesting to me about uh, Macross, and I don't think we've ever really talked about the, uh, well, it's not really an en- ending animation, but like the ending credits um, is how nostalgic it kind of feels. Yeah. Um, and, uh, like a lot of like what Macross, especially this first Macross is, is, you know, about like kind of, your first love or adolescent love and, like, kind of moving on from that and, like, kind of realizing that, like, you know, you are young and at this point in your lives you are really just discovering what it is you want to do or who you want to be. Um, And so that will... That's not necessarily... That's not necessarily going to mirror whatever... Like, whatever your crush wants to do. That I can't talk right now. I'm sorry. No, uh, I, I'm, I, I'm totally. I, I'm jiving with you here. I got you. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I, I think this is really this entire fever dream is really that kind of moment where Hikaru has to admit that to himself, and like subconsciously he does. But then he wakes up and it's like, nah, that was just a bad dream. I don't want to think about it. Yeah, especially looking at what's to come. He may have accepted it subconsciously, but not 
not for real quite yet. Um, yeah. And what you were saying about like the the ending, you know, um, and the first love thing. Yeah, you hit the nail on pretty straight there uh, because um, I don't know when you I think if you're looking at the ending from Hikaru's perspective, saying he's gone through the book and this is years later. um, It's kind of like if when you think back to your first relationship or some of the early ones, some some that treated you well, but you eventually, you know, drifted apart. You look back at the good memories, kind of like. Kind of like the photo book that's being looked through, like certain yeah. moments. There's a wistfulness. Yes. Yeah. But. Yeah. Um. Okay. A couple other things I wanted to hit on. Yeah. Um. I I find it interesting, like uh, Hikaru's character arc within his fever dream, where you know Minmei gets kidnapped and he he acts reckless and to the, you know, belittlement of him from everyone else. Um. And it, it really isn't until he, you know, Max, Misa, and Kakizaki offer their help, and Hikaru accepts it, that, like, he's really starting to get progress done. Um, and I, I feel like that, that reflects a change in his mentality, where, you know, previously, Misa was, like, you know, a, a cranky old lady, um, and Max and Kakizaki were just, like, you know, they were people placed under him that he didn't really want that responsibility of. Um, he, he's come to see them as comrades. Yes. And see them as people who are there to help and support him. Um, and I I don't know. I, I think that's... Because, like, I don't know if his attitude has really changed as explicitly in real life. Like, it's not like Hikaru was ever disdainful of any of them besides Misa. Um, but, like, I feel like after this, like, you know, uh, jumping ahead a little bit, in the next episode, or the episode after that, he offers to buy them food. Um, and I don't know, I, I, I think it, it's, he's become more appreciative of his and co-workers. Speaking to that, too, um, we're, we're, we'll get there, but after a certain thing happens, I think... It is it is honestly the real life. We'll get there, but it, that is the real life um, switch that puts the subconscious things Sakari was learned here into real life. But mm-hmm. we'll 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 get to that here in a second. <laughs> um. Okay. I feel like there was one more thing, and then we can move on. Okay. Um. Hmm. Give me, give me just a sec. No worries. Um, I guess, um, I guess I will say this. No, actually, no, I'll wait, I'll wait. You'll wait? Because I feel okay. like that'll, that'll come in stronger in the, the episodes to come. Um, okay. So yeah, uh, we can move on. Okay, sounds good. So we're starting up episode 18, and Hikaru is still bed- bedridden, and he's still beating himself up for being shot down, and... He's just keeping being kept in the hospital right now just to be safe. It's not the world's worst injury, but knowing how he is, uh, a lot of people are just like, just just stay. Just, eh. yeah. Just don't think about things. Chill a little. Yeah. And then Misa comes to visit, and she's, she's taking it pretty hard herself. 
she feels personally responsible for his injuries, which kind of, but it's it's just a cross thing. It was something not necessarily under her control. So, and from here, Hikaru is like trying to beat himself up to make her feel better, but it's it's not working out. And she's like, you know, this he anyways is like. This isn't really normal for you, Misa. And mm-hmm. she's like, yeah, I know, but I'm just going to head back to the bridge. And they thank each other as she heads on back. And they're both like, this is the first time we've actually thanked each other for anything. <laughs> well, OK, cool. And then uh, Misa gets back in the bridge and Claudia's like, hey, <laughs> just break out of this, you know, Um I, I see what's going on with you here, and I felt like this with Roy when I first met him. And through that logic, uh, Claudia thinks that Misa has a thing for Hikaru. It's like, go for it. He's he's younger than you, but just go for it. Um, <laughs> um, actually, I wanted to double-check something, and yes. you might remember this or you might not. Does she ever explicitly say Hikaru? Because it's just as likely she could be talking about Kaifun at this point in the story, even though could be. No, they it, don't. I don't. Think... I guess rather what I should say is it's possible that Misa is interpreting what she's saying is in regards to Kaifun rather than Hikaru. Maybe I'm not sure. Um... Like I doubt it, but I, it was just something interesting that like just popped into my head. <laughs> gotcha. As I, I could especially with the whole Ryber confusion, I could see it being in her head. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time with, I think a lot of the bridge crew, when they think boys and Misa, they usually put Hikaru in that boat, especially mm-hmm. after the, the big escape. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I don't know. Yeah, just um, something to consider. Yes. A, a tasty nubble to chew on. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Misa from Claudia it's like nah it's not like that I'm not I'm not really into him and uh, Global comes in and he's like okay so we're going to be getting out of here shortly after we're done resupplying and hey Misa I probably was a little too hard on you when the stuff went down with the thing and the shit punch just don't worry about it and we go back to Hikaru and he's just stewing there like internalizing the gap that's widening between him and Minmay. But then Roy and the boys come and break this up. And <laughs> it's not broken up for long because Hikaru just snaps at Kakisaki when he mentions, oh, you have Minmay's song playing? This is great. And he's like, you <laughs> oh, don't even know. That was something I wanted to mention. Um... In the last episode, I feel like a lot of those songs were, like, brand new Minmay songs we hadn't heard before. Yes, yeah, because there was um, this and the last one. I think the the big one in the last episode was Zero G Love, which I think is way better than the Kyun Kyun. Yeah, I agree. I feel like every Minmay song I've heard in these last couple episodes have been better than Kyun Kyun. Like, I think Kyun Kyun, they just did that earlier on just mm-hmm. to, like, to get rolling. And then once they had reached this point in the show, I bet you they were reco- had, like, an album recorded. So yeah, it's like, yeah. he- here's all the hot songs. We're going to make it rain with Minmay songs. And so they I use was, it to great I was effect. really hoping, I was really hoping that when 
Hikaru woke up, like, he would actually have a copy of Minmei's LP. Um, but that wasn't the case. It was just on the radio. But I was no. really hoping that, like, ah, uh, she left him something. Yeah, I, as we'll soon learn, uh, <laughs> I don't think she's even aware of stuff at this no, point. Yeah, yeah. Which is, is pretty sad, but also yeah. makes sense. Yeah, given what's going on with her at the moment. Yeah. Uh, all right, so after sna- snapping on Kakizaki, uh, Roy's just like, hey, just take it easy, don't get back on your feet. And then Max, being being the chat he is, he's like, <laughs> well, Hikaru, you, you shouldn't have been injured in that fight to... Begin with, and then Max does that moment where he's like, "Oh shit, I just said something really assholeish, and I'm gonna step back right now." And then, as I have listed in my notes, the Rick rage grows when Kakizaki's <laughs> like, "I'm getting my own squad, homie." And then Roy's all like, "Okay, um, you guys are dumbasses. I'm getting you <laughs> out of the room because I know it's about to happen. It's it's time to go." <laughs> yes, and it only. Despite that, it only gets worse because Max is all like, hey, hey, did uh, Minmay bring you those flowers? And he's like, no. Oh, Misa bring those then? Yeah. And he's like, oh, okay. Bye, Hikaru. And then as they're walking away, Roy and the boys or Roy's boys, that's the name of my new band. Anyway, um, they're like, yeah, Hikaru's not in a good place. And Roy's like, I need, uh, I think I might need to bring in a specific kind of medication to bring him back around. Yeah. So from here, Roy meets with Claudia up at the cafe and, uh, she's like, okay, I'm pulling these strings to see what I can get for you to get Min May to meet with Hikaru because she's Claudia busy filming this movie. Claudia is a A-lister. <laughs> yes. Claudia is the best. Hey, Bay, can you take, like, I know you got a really busy schedule protecting the city and all, but do you think on top of that you, you can help my friend out <laughs> by yeah. looking up the schedule of this very busy celebrity? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got you, honey. Here's Claudia's your itinerary. <laughs> yeah, Claudia, Claudia is the best. Yes, she's very standable. Full Stan. Full Stanley. <laughs> Um, just speaking of that, yes. Anyway, uh, yes. Uh, speaking of that, it's just like through this whole here and before, I just kind of noted here how Roy and Claudia have probably the best chemistry out of any of the couples we've seen established so far. Definitely. Which is kind of sad when we get to Do You Remember Love that like yeah. so much of the nuance of that gets cut out. <laughs> that's that's how I feel about a lot of Do You Remember Love, but we'll get there when we get yeah, there. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. Do You Remember Love is a great movie and is probably one of the best things to come out of the franchise, but like yes. also it's got its misses. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a lot of weight in the series that doesn't necessarily transfer to the movie, but that's that's that episode of this show when we get to it. Um, yeah. So, Claudia, as uh, as a payment for her services, she's like, Roy, uh, you're gonna try out my new pineapple salad recipe, and it's like, okay, uh, I'll be back, and then he goes to go get Minmay. In the meantime, uh, we're at a toy booth. And the toy seller's like, look at my all all my uh, wind-up Minmays that play Minmay songs. 
and everybody starts bull rushing the booth. And hey, the Blue Wind guys are there, and they got to pick one up, especially for the Kuhn Kuhns. And uh, they're able to swipe one away. But as they're swiping away, uh, the bridge crew comes on through, uh, our classic trio of Vanessa, Kim, and Chammy. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, the guys at the disco suck. What are we going to do? And they run into the Blue Wind, who had just gone away clean with that doll. And Chammy's like, you know, you're, you, I, you guys are pretty sketchy. I haven't seen you before. Uh, uh, did you steal that doll from from a kid? And also, you small guy, are you a lollycon? And the joke comes full circle. Of course. So, <laughs> the fan subs that I, I was looking at, they did not ever explicitly call Lolly a lollycon. <laughs> Shammy yeah. just says, do you have a thing for high school girls? <laughs> Which is, like, weird, because usually you would expect the fan subs to be more direct than the uh, the uh, official subs. I feel like they kept the Lollicon joke in uh, the ADV dub, too, so... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's just something that happened, I guess. Yeah. Um, also, oh last thing, when this conversation was happening, like... I didn't want to, but, like, the first word that kind of popped into the ether of my mind was brony. <laughs> oh, okay. I can see that. <laughs> These three, like, th- there's a lot of brony energy coming on. <laughs> BBE, big brony energy. <laughs> big brony energy. <laughs> I'm, not, oh. I'm, not, I'm not insulting brownies. I'm just... <laughs> no. The big brony energy has not been this strong since 2012. It's through the roof. <laughs> it's a good thing it's 2009 then. Yes. Oh. Oh boy, I was thinking it was 2019. And I'm just like, time is weird, bro. <laughs> anyway. Um, yes. As we were mentioning, Kim is also like, yo, I haven't seen you around. And then Lolly makes an excuse. Oh, we work at the disco. And the ladies are like, you're sketchy, but you know what? Come with us to the disco. And the Blue Wing guys are like, uh, if What's we hang out. What's the worst out- that could happen? Yeah. <laughs> well, the, could- the girls are like that. The guys are like, we could get court-martialed. Yeah, because they're like, we need express permission to hang out with the women's. But, you know, screw this. We're going to be brave for the cause and head <laughs> to the disco. will stone us out. They'll cast us out. <laughs> It's not an episode if we don't make an incel joke. <laughs> I was going more for the Reddit humor, but... <laughs> Either or. <laughs> both both are applicable. Oh, boy. <laughs> Speaking of websites in which people argue on, so Comgene is arguing with Melia because, you know, uh, Laplam has sent her in to spoil his fun. And she's all like, dude, you'd be screwed if I didn't come in to save your sorry ass. And he's like, I only lost because the Macross has an ace pilot. And <laughs> Melia's like, ooh, challenge accepted. <laughs> and then from here, Roy is heading on the set of Min May's brand new kung fu movie. And she's like, hey, why is Hikaru not here? And Roy's like, 
yo, he got dinged and injured. You should visit him in the hospital. And, okay, I'm going to go check on my manager to make sure this is cool. And then Kaifu's like, he shows up and he's all like, well. I hate soldiers. Yeah. It's Kaifun. It's Kaifun. It's Hikaru's fault because he's a soldier that he got injured. So I don't care. If he didn't want to get hurt, he should have never enlisted. (laughs) Yeah. it's, It's not like. A uh, random alien attack or anything happened. That's not a good excuse. Uh, like, fuck this guy. Yeah, he gets more fuck By <laughs> this point, he should know that aliens are attacking, and there's nothing like... They, they were going to attack the Earth regardless. Yeah, and I think, depending... He only knows what he limitedly knows, like... Who knows if somebody told him, yo, the Zentradi only do the war thing, because I bet that's like a a super secret, excuse me, a super secret guarded secret that nobody knows except for like military folks. It's like pretty much common knowledge at this point. Gotcha. Because I, I, no, I mean, whether like it for, was. for Kaifun, it, it should be. Yeah. Like, you know, you you're on the set of a movie. Maybe one of the, the lighting crew members is like, Yo, so that latest Zentradi attack, oh boy. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm giving the public knowledge of Macross City too much credit, but like... Well, they might know even more than, from what we've known so far, they probably, them probably know, maybe like, like the crew of the Macross probably know like a, like a smidge-ish more than the people on the Macross know as well. So, because they're obviously trying to keep everything. Shh, Earth people shouldn't know about this. This is bad. Shh. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe, I don't know. Um, from here, uh, Roy's like, okay, and hops in his Jeep and he's heading back to base and he gets a scramble command. He's like, don't tell uh, Hikaru about this because he needs to rest up, son. And uh, you should have Max and Wazi Kakizaki uh, come in and in my squad. I'll take them with. And um, in the meantime, Global's like, OK, we're going to ride out this plan while we're still resupplying. Uh, y'all in the pew-pew ships, uh, you just keep this entrati as far away as possible from us. <laughs> Thank you. Um and then while they're deploying, Melia and the Meltran are also deploying. And she's like, okay, girls, once the ace comes out of here, stand down. He's mine. So <laughs> as Medea, this isn't a Greek tragedy. Anyway, as Misa is deploying the boys to battle, Claudia notes that, hey, nice Misa. You kind of starting to sound like yourself again. And then in the meantime, as Roy's taking off, he's like, hey, Claudia, I'm looking forward to that pineapple salad. And everybody's like, what What's, the fuck? Is, is that some is code? That, is that the formation? Yeah. And, and then Claudia's like, he 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 only I know what this is. <laughs> and then as the fight is starting, Amelia's trying to suss out who the ace is. And at this point, Max is the show He's the showstopper. He's Mr. Yeah. Flashy, and he's and she's like, I'm going after him, and they start going toe-to-toe. And as it starts, Global's like, okay, they're obviously targeting Max right now. Just 
Okay, you retreat. Get out of here. Just go. Go, 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 go. And then in the meantime, Minmei shows up to visit Hikaru. And she's like, dude, I am pooped. I get no sleep. I only sleep maybe two hours a day. Yeah. Oh, and, boy. Yeah, and she just kind of conks out right there when she gets a chance to lay down. And she's like, oh, and um, my cousin, Kai Kyle Foon, yeah, he's in my movie because he's, he's good at kung fu like he's Keanu Reeves. He's a martial Reeves. artist. Yes. <laughs> like Keanu Reeves. He's good like Keanu. Well, not as good as Keanu. Keanu's a national treasure we must protect. <laughs> And he also doesn't age, so I bet you he's in the same vampire clan as Rocky. But anyway. (laughs) 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 Oh, boy. (laughs) Okay, so Max is trying to escape, and Roy's trying to give him cover fire. And Roy's Valkyrie just gets hit with a storm of enemy fire. And he takes a pretty hard hit, but Roy's like, I'm all right. Don't worry about this. But Melee is not going to lit up on Max. He, She's right on his butt the whole time. And Global's all like, they're coming here. Lock this place down. And as the sirens are going off, Hikaru's like, what's going on? And Minmei's already conked out by this point. So he just heads out to see what's happening. But this lockdown didn't happen fast enough as Melia zooms into the city of the Macross and Max is right behind her. And as Hikaru walks out, she see he sees Melia in her Quetalon Rao just drop on down into the city with Max right behind her. And they're fighting in the city. And Melia's like, this guy has got me. I am screwed. And then Global's like, open the doors. Get her out of here now. And... They, they swap Itano circuses and then get on out of there. And Melia's not happy with this. She's like, I need to, I'm going to redeem myself. The I'm salt gonna, is real. Yes. She is salty. Salty about this blue-haired boy. Very high in sodium content. It's oh, so salty. This is an Evo Grand Finals, am I right? Hey. Hey. That was for us. That was for no one but us. <laughs> yeah. FGC <Hey>. represent. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't worry. We'll we'll have another FGC reference for uh for Max later on. Yes, yes we will. Uh so <sighs> Max is going to chase after her, but Global's like, stop, stop. They're retreating. There's no point. And as the Valkyries are coming back, Mises is like, hey, Roy, you're flying a little sloppily. Are you okay? And he's like, nah, I'm good. And, uh, oh, yeah, Max, he, he totally wrecked shop. And Roy's like, yeah, boy. <laughs> that Max, what an ace. He's, genius, he's so good. Ha. Uh, he, he's, uh, you know, you could say that his, uh, Combat record is sterling. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, Min May's manager shows up in the hospital room and she's all conked out. And he wakes her up and he's like, Okay, we gotta get back on set. Film and time is money. And she's like, Where's Hikaru? And then we go to some mechanics. 
um, and they're doing work on Roy's Valkyrie, and that's pretty beat up. And they look into the cockpit, and they're like, oh, shit. And then we go back to Claudia's, and Roy is just strumming along on his guitar, and she's getting the salad together, and <laughs> he's like, you know, Kari's pretty lucky to have that Max guy with him. And from here, Claudia's like, just one second. And you still hear him strumming, and then the strumming stops, and she's bringing the salad, uh, the pineapple salad, over to Roy. And he's passed out, and Claudia's like, well, are you just drunk already? Like, come on, dude. And then he falls off the couch with multiple bullet wounds in his back, bleeding everywhere. I've seen this scene, like, three or four times now. And even just reading the notes, I was getting chills. Yeah, I'm getting the chills now just reading them off. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and then uh, from here, yeah. we go to a doctor's room, a dark room. Roy's lying there. There's a nurse and a doctor. And Claudia breaks down and starts crying because he's been pronounced dead. And as this is happening... Misa goes to tell Hikaru, and everything stops. He's at a loss for words. They they lost the most reliable, dependable person that they ever knew, and he's gone, and he's not coming back. This is a fantastic fucking episode. <laughs> yeah. Everything is on point in this episode. The animation, like, you can, you can tell that, like, the last couple episodes, they were saving all of their, like, time, labor, all of that stuff for this episode. And it's yeah. incredible. Like, especially um, the big parts, money-wise, because I'm, I'm, like, thinking about this episode, just Roy sticks with me so much. But it's mostly like that fight between Max and Melee and the Macross. So well animated, dude. It looks, like it's crazy. It's 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 the best the show has looked since um you know, the the, the catching Minmay at the, the beginning of the show. Yeah. Cause there's some parts here and there, just because they have a limited budget to work with, where it looks a little rough, especially the characters. Yeah. And that middle point before they get captured and centradied and proto-culture yeah. and all that um but like just in this last couple round of episodes it's shot way up uh and you're probably right when they part of that clip show they're like we need to do a smart way of saving us some money but we also gotta tell a story tell an impactful part of the story uh, so we can properly build up to this huge moment that's gonna shock everybody you know the best part about this about like this whole trip this is like with the end of this episode we are now at the halfway mark yeah like <laughs> this is that's wild to me like they 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 plan this shit out like very well i think yeah especially now that roy's gone you're just like and they're back on Earth and they don't know what they're doing. It's like, where's where we're going? We got a major rudder lost. Like, what's what's going to happen next? You know, there's yeah. no set path. 
So, oh man, um, yeah, let's let's uh, let's break this episode down. <laughs> okay. Um, first thing I want to mention is it is incredibly telling to me that like you know Min May goes to visit Rick and you know she can only be there for so long, but like she trusts Rick or Hikaru. My bad. Uh, she good. trusts Hikaru enough to uh, you know kind of let her guard down and just be like, I'm going to sleep here. And, like, you know, this is the only time she allows herself to not be pop star Minmay, which I think yeah. is, like, a very important thing that, like, you know, while it sucks that her and Rick don't get a lot of time together, it's still important that, like, when they are together, she's not Minmay the celebrity. She is Minmay, that girl that Rick met back when they thought they were about to die. Yeah. Um, yeah, because she, and two, like in that moment when they're talking about what's been going on about their lives and Hikari's like, well, I can't really relate with this because it seems like you're in a totally different world. And that even, that even further pushes his thought mind of, hey, they've been split apart by all this idol stuff. Mm-hmm. And like there's, even if, that Minmay he knows is still around. It's there's there's such a widening gap. Like at almost times yeah. when they were talking, um, like the reactions from Makari made me think she does. Like I was thinking in my mind, he was thinking she's talking about all this idle stuff. But how did she not even know I was here? You know, mm-hmm. wouldn't have somebody told her I was in the hospital? And yeah. didn't have to have somebody go out to go get her to let her know. I hey. imagine she doesn't even really have time to talk to her aunt and uncle anymore. No. Like, there there would have been, like, no Sivvy who knew Hikaru that was also a relation of Minmei's that could go and tell her. Mm-mm. And um, Kaifun definitely wouldn't. Yeah, Kaifun's a fucking prick. Yeah, he is. Even if he did know, he'd probably be like, <laughs> and then, like... Fuck Kaifun. Because we really see that rear up here when Roy comes up on the set and he's all like, fuck you, you're a soldier. You know, it's your own damn fault you got shot and hurt. And I'm just like, holy shit, dude. Like, yeah, you take a risk going into combat like that. But at the same time, like, shit happens out there and that's not his fault. Like, fucking come on. Yeah, yeah. No, Kaifun is the worst. And, uh... Uh, like in uh, like in the episodes from last week, he was like tolerable, and now yeah, it's just like, like I think I think the episodes from last week gave like some much needed context to why he is the way he is, but like now we we are seeing that he is like unflinching in this perspective and this worldview to a point where like it really isn't helping anyone. <laughs> uh uh-uh. and even too. Um... Something very unhealthy, like we get more on this, but I see, I see the starts of the very unhealthy relationship that he and Min may have, yeah. especially on the set when he's talking about what he, she should be doing. And then also when she, um, so oh, we'll get to this more because it hasn't happened yet. Um, but there is something that happens to Min may that's even more telling in this next episode, just in regards to. He he wants to be controlling aspects of her life and uh, who she's with, how mm-hmm. she handles herself. 
like, like he, it is it has surpassed like the I'll look over your daughter for you aunt and uncle to like no I am controlling Min May's life yeah because I think at, at, at the same time when I look at Kaifun he might think also what Min May's parents think that she's a dumb girl who's pursuing this silly dream and he's just in the most cynical way possible trying to manage that or try to squeeze everything out of it. I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's, it's gone from weird cousin stuff to abusive, weird cousin stuff. Uh, We'll get there, but this is the starting of that. Yeah. No, Kaifun is bad people. Like he's, he is. Yeah. Well, well, again, we'll get there. I feel like we don't really, we don't see the worst of it until, like, near the very end of the show. Yeah. Um, like, it's, as as we're going here, it's, like, starting to spurt up more, but near the like, end. It's, it's hard for me to talk about Kaifun without acknowledging the entirety of his character, though. Because, like, I'm trying to, like, play it by, like, what we know so far from these. Yeah. These uh, f- three or four episodes. Yeah, but I'm like, I'm, oh, it's getting harder, dude. Like as some as people who have seen this before in one way or another, it's um, it is a little hard to separate separate that. But at the same time, I will put a positive at this. Um, I I'm surprised still that Roy's death still hits me as hard as it did the first time I saw it six years ago. Now it's really good. It is incredibly good. <laughs> Like um, it. Oh, uh, one last thing about the scene where Minmei visits Hikaru in the hospital. Yeah. Um, I remember a couple episodes of our episodes ago. Uh, I we talked about like how kind of weird it was that Minmei was very stern when like Hikaru forgot to give her a birthday present. Yeah. Um, but like you know, the first thing she says when she enters the uh his hospital bedroom is. I'm sorry I couldn't get you anything. So, I don't know. I, I find that to be, like, that kind of recontextualized that earlier scene for me. Like, you know, Minmei has a very, like, you know, it, it's like a courtesy thing. It's a very, like, she has not, she has an image of what, like, you know, a visiting courtesy should be. And she holds herself to that same standard. And you know what? I was I was thinking about that, too as you were saying it and I could see that too. Cause it is also, um, this is from my limited knowledge. Cause there was, uh, um, back when I was younger, we had a sister city with my hometown in Japan. And mm-hmm. I remember a big thing that got brought up is when they meet new people, um, the Japanese are really big on gifts mm-hmm. or, or, uh, seeing new friends. I haven't seen in a while, a gift or something like that to be like, Hey, I really value our relationship, mm-hmm. and here have this. Um, I could be totally wrong on that because maybe modern Japan is totally different than that these days. Again, if you know more about Japanese culture than Dylan or I, please shoot us an email. Um, we don't want to sound like assholes. <laughs> yeah, um, try. I'm trying to contextualize this in the best way I can. Um, but I, I think that might play into it, too. But at the same time, I think just speaking of what we've gone through in the story so far, um, maybe maybe it's a reaction to the metal 
that Hikaru gave her for her birthday. Because maybe over time she's maybe a little more aware of what it actually is instead of just a shiny piece of metal that yeah. he gave her. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it's uh I I don't know. It's a, it's a definitely interesting point though. We'll we'll see. I I hope hope we get an email being like, "Well, Coop, you, maybe you were partly on right, but here's how it really is." Yeah. <laughs> so Here's hoping. Here's hoping. Um, anything else for this episode you got off the top of your head? Um, so I, oh, I yeah. think, uh, yeah. Hikaru uh, getting up to leave during the air siren rather than staying with the Minmei. Um, you know, I feel like I don't think he did that consciously, but like just Mm-mm. kind of like the fact that that is so programmed in his mind. Um, he's, he's trained to do this now, like. Every time he hears that siren, it's like, okay, we're yeah. heading to the base. We're getting like in the planes. It's not Minmay that gets him out of bed. It is the air siren and that kind of yeah. urgency and immediacy of like, oh, I'm needed now. Um, and we, we don't, I don't think we ever actually see where he goes. But like when he, when he, at the end of the episode, he returns to his room and he's, he's playing with like a little model plane, which, you know, he drops and breaks uh, when he hears about Roy's death, which felt like a very fitting speaking kind of, of that into that childhood mm. like love of planes and now well, like something more adult and a far cry yeah go ahead okay speaking of that that model plane you remember early on in the flashbacks they had to their time in the in the air circus yeah. Roy flew an air a yellow biplane just like that. Oh, hey, that's good. So, that's a good one. Yeah. So it adds even more weight on top of that. That oh, this person I was so connected to literally just slipped out of my hands and fell and crashed and crumbled on the floor. Yeah. Damn, that's good. That's good shit. Grade A visual storytelling. <laughs> Matt Cross is good shit. Um, all right, let's hop to the next episode, which... Okay. Um, maybe it's just because episode 18 stole the show, but episode 19 I don't remember all the details of, so I'll probably be very quiet until we get to the end. Okay, cuckoo. Um, so, going from here... Ooh, the Macross is flying over a pretty large city in North America. Let's just say for sake of ease, it's New York. And Global's like, okay, we're going to try to go DUN into letting us release uh, the people of the Macross. We'll just call them the refugees for now. But the UN's like, no. And Claudia's like, Global actually has the UN by the balls right now because the Macross is the shining symbol of the UN. And if there's any form of retaliation, it's not going to look good on the bigwigs and everywhere. And Misa's all like, well, those bigwigs aren't going to budge on this either. And Global's hoping that through these transmissions that have been going on between them talking, somebody else has been listening in. Like, if they won't take the refugees, maybe some other country will. Mm-hmm. And then from here, Claudia goes on a coffee break, and she takes this chance to break the cheery smile and facade she's been having on the bridge. 
and she's just sitting there with her coffee, her handkerchief, and she's having herself a good old cry. And then across the room, Yukaru himself is also thinking about Roy and the times they had together over this crazy space journey. And then Misa enters in the mess hall where the two and a bunch of other people are. And she sees Claudia and she's like, maybe it's just best I leave her alone for right now. But she notices Hikaru and walks his way. And they start talking about his injury, how he's doing. And however, that leads to thoughts about Roy. And Hikaru's like, oh, so how's the refugee relocation efforts going? And she just tells her, hey, yeah, he, she's just like, yeah, it's going. And we're hoping somebody else can take him and all that. And then one of Min May's songs is playing. All right, can I, can I say something? This is yes. one of the things I do remember from this episode. And I looked up the song. Silver Moon, Red Moon is a fucking bop. Yeah, it is. Oh, that's a good song. It's probably the most into uh, a Min May single that I've been during this uh, show's run. Uh, you know, there I, wasn't a whole lot to choose from until like an episode ago. But no. still... Like, the Min May May songs just took a giant leap from, okay, there's this one standard song to, ooh, we got a bunch of good stuff. She also also did sing a song uh, during Rick's Hikaru, sorry, Hikaru's Fever Dream. Um, Yeah. So, like, yeah, no, there's there's definitely some good stuff there. I'm fine. I'm I'm glad we're past the Q&Qs. Yes, yes. (laughs) Um... And I will say, too, it's actually kind of, there's a weird um, um, dichotomy. Um, what, what's the word called when two things are put together and they don't match, Dylan? Um, it's on the tip of my tongue. Dissonance? Yes. It's one of those. It's close enough. Dissonance between the silver moon, red moon. And what's going on right now, because this is kind of a cheery, beady song and everybody's actually kind of you got Claudia upset and crying and you got uh, Hikaru and Misa just kind of somberly talking about how things are trying to avoid the whole Roy topic. It's true. But as I was reading the lyrics for Silver Moon, Red Moon, it's also a song about like kind of being stood up and like trying to figure out where. Uh, to go from here. True. That does. I wasn't thinking about that, but yeah, very no, true. It's, it's, it's a really cool uh, dichotomy. Like, yes, it's a very poppy boppy song, but like, it also has like this kind of undercurrent of like, I'm really sad and I don't know how to move on quite yet. <laughs> so I'm just going to be happy and cheery. Oh, okay. Even hey, better. This yeah, works so well for Claudia because she's you see on the bridge, she's put up this facade of being happy and cheery. But really, she's she is not in a good place. She's at all in right a rough. Now. She's having a rough time. Yeah. Like kudos on her for trying to soldier on. But if you need yourself a good cry, you go have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of this song, um, Misa's all like, yo, is your girlfriend Minmay going to be going with the refugees um, to wherever? And, well, <laughs> he's like, no, he's she's going to be staying with her family here on the Macross. Oh, and Kaifun's staying, too. And Misa's yeah. all like, ooh, okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, because Ryber, Kaifun, Thirst is real. Well, I wouldn't call it Thirst, so just like confusion. I might put it more there. Intrigue. Um, yes. Um, and from there they talk about there's a new uh, barrier they have developed for the Macross that will cover the whole ship. But they're like, eh, it might be kind of useless if the Centrati were to unleash like a full force attack and we probably all die. But we switch to Minmei, and she's walking into the dressing room. Kaifun's sitting there with a script, and he's saying something about how her day should be and how she should be doing X, Y, and Z. And she just faints from exhaustion. And what we were talking about a second ago about Kaifun, this was the moment I was referring to. Um, It gets even worse from here, but it's like... He's a little more concerned with the business side of things and her being healthy and functioning well to the point where she's just going to pass out because she gets no sleep and she's going on all cylinders 24-7. What a hero. Yeah, what a what a champion. What a... Uh, anyway, um, our favorite neighbors to the north... Um, bring some great news to the bridge when they're all like, hey, us Canadian people in the Ontarian Federation, we're going to take those people. Oh, I like Canada. that the Canadians fought off the Unification War. Yeah. Or at least this uh, sect of Canadians yeah. in Ontario. S- sect of Canadians. That's that's going to be my new ska band. <laughs> <laughs> Sect of Canadians. Like it's a religion. Thank you for that. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, So we're wondering what's going up with those Zentradi peoples. So Comgene is bitching at Laplamis about, oh, we we can't attack. And Laplamis is like, dude, we have express orders not to while they're doing this spy stuff on the ship. And Comgene's like, fuck this. I'm going to turn Macross and the Earth to dust. I'm, I'm going out here. And Laplamis is all like, okay, Amelia, go get him. And then Amelia's like, comes in with a curveball. She's like, can I get Tiny and become a spy on the Macross? And she's like, what? <laughs> and, you know, she wants to get Tiny so she can meet the ace pilot, Max, our blue-haired gentleman with the glasses. And she doesn't know this yet, though. Max and from, from here, Max and Kakizaki meet up with Hikaru, to find out, oh, he's piloting Roy's Valkyrie now? And Hikari's like, well, that's the only thing Roy left for me. And the guys from there decided, okay, this this might be our last night on the town. Let's let's go have a couple drinks on me. Hikari says that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the Reverse Sieges are going to be gone tomorrow morning, so let's enjoy this while we can. So, while they're about to go out and hang out, Comgene hops into his battle pod with some crazy attachments on it, and they're going to launch Attack on the Macross. Just as the Macross is about to get to Canada and drop off the people, and from here the bridge is like, okay, we, we got to do everything we can to keep this going. Uh, we're going to send out a coded announcement on the Macross that just means everybody, all battle stations, we are going 
And as they're launching, Hikari's like, you know what, Roy, I'm going to work hard for both you and me. We're going to do this together. And they get ready to launch. And Claudia is a little surprised and maybe glad, I don't know, to find out that Hikaru is now both Skull Leader and piloting Roy's plane. Mm. And um, from here, the battle starts, and Hikaru instantly shows that he has grown so much to up to this point. Um, like, he's, he's not, I wouldn't say max level good, but he knows his way around a fight now. Mm-hmm. And Max still has to save Kakizaki because he's paying more attention to Hikaru's skills in the battle. But this whole moment here, for me anyways, is I think what takes that internalizing subconscious thought about how Hikaru's life is going um, with Minmei. And then also the last episode, The Revelation of Roy it's like coming together now that he has a legacy to live up to. Yeah. And he, he needs to be on his a game and be the best he can be. You're Um, telling me Gurren Lagann didn't start that. (laughs) (laughs) Rao, Rao fight the power. Am I right? (laughs) I, I just love this realization because you see it. Like, in, in the moment where he's having this fight, this this little quick moment of a girl walking, shooting a guy down, going to another guy, like, you see Hikaru is laser-focused, and he's he's back on it. He's back at it again at the Matt Crosby cream. <laughs> so, uh, that... <laughs> so, from here... Com Gene is all like, okay, I'm bringing the ships down. We're going to wipe out the Macross. They're coming into Earth. And Global's like, okay, you put up that new barrier right now because we're not throwing away this chance to get the refugees safely off the Macross. We're so close to this, I'm not letting this sleep slip through. So in the meantime, the Meltran used this battle as an excuse to sneak Melia aboard the Macross. And she's saying uh, to her lady friend and her uh, on Rao, yeah, maybe this isn't the best idea for me to go on here. Because now that I'm not here, Laplamis is just going to bow down to Comgene. She's not mm-hmm. going to do anything because he's, uh, as uh, Hot Wheels once said, too hot to handle. Um, he's, he's a bag of cats that is shredding <laughs> out of that bag. So... Now with the ships on Earth, Comgene's like, okay, I'm coming back. As soon as I get back, light them up. Just destroy them. The Macross is able to put the barrier up in time, and it takes tanks the blows of the blast. It works, thank God, because I don't even think they had tested this yet. And Comgene's like, you know what? Screw it. Keep firing. We're just going to keep going in on them closer and closer and closer. And the bridge is like, why hasn't the UN stepped in yet? And they're like, maybe it's because of what Global did. And then they're like, no, maybe it's because they don't want to get involved right now. But as they're talking about this, they find out, no, boy, the barrier's now unstable. And in learning this, Misa and Akara talk together. 
Is this the situation we were talking about when we're all going to die? Is this going to happen? And Mises Law like, no. No. Okay, we need to stop complaining about this. Roy didn't complain about this. And you know, dude, you, you have this legacy to live up to now. Let's do this. And Hikaru's like, okay, you heard the lady boys. Let's do this. Let's take down these ships before they can take us down. And they go at it. And then Comjean thinks to himself, I got this. These Earthers are going down. And the barrier is starting to go out. It's glowing red. And Misa's like, boys, you fly away. And you fly away as far as you can. Because this barrier is going to blow. And once it goes, it destroys everything it touches. Comjean, the greasy little son of a bitch, gets away with some of his guys. But as they're flying away, Kakizaki falls behind. And he, like so many unfortunate souls in this blast, he dies in a white light that's pretty horrifying. And then we go back to the Macross as it rises from a crater created by the blast. And everybody figures out that this destroyed everything in the 50-kilometer radius. And the only thing that came out of this all right is the Macross and the people on it. Having seen the blast, the Canadians are like, what the fuck just happened? Hell no. We're, we, we rescind our offer. Take, go away. We, no. You guys are nothing but bad news. Meanwhile, there's a press conference going on regarding Minmay's fainting spell. And instead of, you know, talking about this, Kaifun's like, well, this is, why, why aren't you talking about the military? Why aren't you talking that, you know, the Canadians uh, may not take us anymore or the collateral damage that this thing caused? And, uh, and the Blue Wind, they're watching on and they're confused because they're like, why is he talking about not fighting? Like, this is totally antithetical to how we have lived our lives for the longest like, time. what else would you do, man? It's like, what, what is there to live with? And standing also there are Misa and Claudia. And Claudia's like, why won't he shut up? We, he's alive because of what we did. And Misa's like, we just have to keep on soldiering on. Nothing... Nothing's going to change his mind. We just we got to keep doing what we got to do. And then back in a common room, Minmei calls Hikaru. Hey, I'm doing all right. Fainted. I'm doing X, Y, and Z. Into Hikaru. This is nothing but white noise. This, what has just happened, the loss of Kagizaki, the loss of Roy, this confirms to him, I would like to think, that yeah, they're in totally different worlds now, and I don't think we're going to go back from this anytime soon. And then, Which is really at, sad, because yeah. like, I feel like this is kind of the first opportunity they've really had to connect, but it just comes at, like, the worst possible time. And, like, yeah. through no one's fault, besides, Mm-mm. you know, maybe Comjean. Because Comjean's a piece of shit. But then nice. again, I li- on the piece of shit scale, like... Comjean is like peanuts compared to Kaifun, because because yeah. this whole press conference thing, I'm just like, come on, dude, like really? Yeah. I, 
it's like it's it's out of the realm of respectability he kind of had in, the, in his early appearances to where it's just like oh fuck all this it's just fuck military fuck you fuck you and not yeah it's uh yeah and it just for me personally i'm not a pro-military guy but just in the context of this show it's like kaifoon i kind of get where you're coming from but you're being a huge dick and the the dick ishness is only growing and bulging more and more with each episode <laughs> just like stop yeah. Just stop talking forever. <laughs> and uh and I, I think Misa's reaction's telling because he realizes she realizes that, yeah, we're not gonna be able to change his mind. We just gotta do what we gotta do. Yeah. Boy. Yeah, I'll, oh man, what a what a trio of episodes, my yeah, guy. Yeah. Cause first there's Roy, then there's Dick Dick Hole. And then Kagizaki, like, I think he goes out, like, Roy goes out pretty terribly, but Kagizaki... Kagizaki is, like, I, I was re-watching the footage just to kind of jog my memory, and it was horrifying. <laughs> like, the dude gets, like, vaporized. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now, just like, God... You see, all you can see is his silhouette and the whites of his eyes and, like, the vague shape of his mouth screaming in agony. And it's not even the Dragon Ball Z fade to white kind of okay, not gruesome death white thing. This is all like, holy shit, he's dying a very painful death that he's gonna, there's gonna be no remains of him whatsoever. Yeah, it's, uh, oh boy. It's not and you great. think, you think too, there's probably, if, if I'm just gonna say we're in New York for the sake of ease. Mm-hmm. Millions of people probably died in that blast from the Macross as well. Yeah. Because they took out that whole city. Yeah. And then some. So. It's a fucking bummer of an episode, dude. Yeah. And I mean, but, like, I guess it is a perfect way to start this second half of the show. Just kind I of. Think, yeah. Man. Well, it goes I, uh, back um, really quick to. We were talking on an early episode where. The first time the Macross transforms, Global's like, yeah, we won. Okay, let's take care of this. This is a Pyrrhic victory. This is like that, but like a million times worse. Yeah. Like, holy shit. So, I think... Hmm. I'm trying to find the right words, but... Because I feel like I covered most of what I wanted to cover uh, in the last episode, or the last couple episodes. But, you know, uh, man. And I, I think, like, this episode more than anything gave me the idea that uh, Kakizaki, more so than Rick Hikaru, I've been really bad about it this episode. I don't know oh, why. Oh, you're good. You're fine. Uh, <laughs> No, it's just, it's funny to me more than anything. Um, I don't know why, uh, Hikaru and, uh, Max, they both, you know, they they both kind of have natural inclinations towards being a pilot, but, like, Kakizaki, he just, he's just there to have a good time. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, that, that's kind of, that's not necessarily what kills him, like, he, he just 
couldn't get away fast enough. Yeah. But, yeah, no, he's, uh... Also, I want to point out real quick that I, you know, I don't remember all the details of Robotech, but I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure they cut out... They definitely cut out the animation of Kakizaki's death. But, like, they... I also don't know if, like... They modified the circumstances of how he dies in this episode. Uh, it's been a real Maybe. long time. Um, no worries. I, I might actually go back and watch it later mm-hmm. today just to see. Um, but yeah, I'll be curious to hear what you say about that, how that how that turns out. Yeah. Because I, I had another thought here, too. Um, in a way, um, with Kakizaki, he has also been kind of a look back for Hikaru to who he was when he started in a couple ways, just with his, how kind of brash he is in combat and stuff and yeah. some of his actions here and there. Yeah. And, and I wonder too, how that's gonna weigh on Hikaru. Cause it's already by the end of this episode, got him not in a good place, even compounded with Roy on top of it. Um, but in a way it's like a piece of him dying who he was, and he was trying to protect that, and it just crumbles away. It gets va- vaporized. Oh. Yeah. Because, I like, mean, you know, like, I couldn't remember when exactly how long after Roy's death Kakizaki dies, but, like, when I saw that shot in, like, early episode of, like, lingering on the stake... His unfinished steak. I was like, oh yeah, it's this episode. <laughs> yeah, that's... Because I was trying to think when it was, because I thought when we were figuring out what we were going to watch this week, I thought this ended with Roy's death. Mm-hmm. But oh no, we get a double double dose double of downer whammy. death. Yeah. So this means if we ever hang out, we neither of, we have to both have steak. And neither <laughs> of us can just have one steak that's big. <laughs> Exactly. We have to finish it. We have to finish a, it and not say anything about coming back to eat it later. <laughs> yeah, it's that's a death flag. <laughs> I or no pineapple. I, I, unfortunately, I don't. I don't think I have a lot to say about this episode that we didn't already cover in the yeah. past couple. It it's just a good episode. Yes. Um. It's all. It's like a lot more slower and uh, introspective than. The last episode, because the last episode was like really like action heavy and really bombast heavy, and this this episode also has that in spades. But like a lot of the storyboarding in this episode is really good. That opening shot of the Macross fully transformed, hovering over the city. Yeah, it's like really just, good. Just imagine being somebody on the ground in New York um, there and just being like. What the hell is that? Yeah. Or being like, is that the Macross? We thought that thing disappeared. Yeah. It's it's really good. Um I think okay, so the the last thing I'll talk about, um, because I feel like this is all I really have. How do you how do you feel about um at least so far, it might change by the time we get to the end of the show, but how do you feel about uh Macross's I don't want to call it military worship, but like, I feel like there's there's um a bias towards them. I, I think there's a bias towards them that yeah, because like, I don't you don't quite get in something like Gundam or Viafom or Votoms. 
Um, I, I I don't know. Like, so here's how my head is parsing it out right now. Mm-hmm. Is even though the crew of the Macross is military, they feel. Ugh, I mean, it, it's their humanity that makes yeah. them likable. That makes us root for them. Because um, I feel when they're talking, like especially when Kaifun's talking, I think he's talking about. Maybe the UN Spacey in general, just that that part of the military, because the unification wars and all that nonsense went on. Mm-hmm. And you have that, and even in real life wars, you have that general, because of what things that have happened, you have that general perspective on it. And then it, it kind of makes it hard at times to separate the people from the huge mass that is a military organization. Yeah. You kind of see it as this huge monolith instead of there, even though there's some scumbags in there, there are some, you know, regular honest yeah. people trying to do their best, you know? I, I think it is trying to find the nuance in that. Um, I, I guess like the thing, the reason why I'm asking that is like, because as we are going deeper and deeper into this show, we are, and as uh, the, ties between Hikaru and Minmei are straining more and more. Um, there's really this idea of, like, you cannot come back from being a soldier, and I don't know if that's being played positively or negatively, or if it simply is. I... I don't know. Because um, I... Just from what I know... I'm not a military guy or have any family. So this is I've so going back on my theater background a little bit. um, I've seen a couple really good shows that handle from at least what would I know handle PTSD in a very respectful manner. Mm -hmm. And I figure maybe that some of that can't come back might be true just because um, this, I'm not an expert on this. This is just what I know. Um, When military folks come back, they have that trouble readjusting to what it was like before. And in a way they can't go back. And even with reconditioning themselves to normal civilian life, it's never going to be the same, you know? So I, I guess you're right about that. I guess like what I was trying to get at more was like there there seems to be a romantic romanticization, whatever the right pronunciation yeah, of that term. Because they're trying, they're I get you. They're trying to romanticize that gap from because because they're trying to go from we're gonna put their gaps are because. How this goes is, you know, with Hikaru getting closer to Mesa, there's this idea of, oh, they're both military, so they should be together. Mm-hmm. And because Minmei's not, you know, I, I see that romanticization of that. Um, but I I don't know. That's <laughs> the best I can it's, muster yeah, on it's, that. It's, it's a really hard thing because, like... I, I yeah I, I really don't know um because like on the one hand I get it but on the other hand I'm, I'm wondering if it like has to be this way 
Or if this is... Yeah. I I think for the sake of the show, they're playing it up super hard. Um, Mm -hmm. But just thinking like in a normal context, like in in somewhat of a real life context, that stuff changes you so much that you might might have aspects of you the same, but... Yeah. Things are going to be drastically different after you come back from a tour. Yeah. I'm I'm de- I'm definitely getting that. I I don't want to undersell or belittle the the things that like real life soldiers go through. I guess I'm I'm talking more on like the writing team uh, yeah. aspect of uh, things. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm they're probably there's playing up I I have a little phrase for you. Love triangle. Um Love quadrilateral, uh, love octagon, or maybe more appropriate given the military stuff, love pentagon. Hey, hey. there it is. Um, but yeah, I think just for the sake of this for the show, I think it's really just the writers just playing it up and hamming it up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I, there, there is this idea of like. Hikaru and Misa and Max and all of these soldiers being soldiers so that they can protect what makes humanity special, which is culture, um, you know, as represented by Minmei and her career. But yeah, I don't I don't know. It's it's a lot to kind of break down. And I think as we get thicker into really what I what I think the thesis of this show is. Um, it'll be interesting to kind of break that down and examine it. Yeah, well, it will give us a little. Let's let's say right now we're in we're in a big juicy steak, and <laughs> we okay, and we're sit we're finishing this steak. We're coming back to the steak, but we're not dying, so we we cut that death flag for a minute. Um, <laughs> as we eat more of the steak, it's gonna combine the steak puzzle together into something that kind of twists and gears and works in the right way. Um, that gives us more stuff to chew on as a whole here. So that's what I got. Um, if you want another weird food analogy, just, just ask Chris about the time I made a sandwich analogy, uh, back in high school. So just ask him. Okay. It'll, it'll be pretty high. Well, you you got to tell our listeners now because then they'll never be able to hear it. Okay. Okay. Here we go. So I was uh, hanging out with Wilson and a bunch of other people back then, back in the day, and I was talking about how we're all like a sandwich, you know, um, <laughs> that everybody is like a different weird. Um, topping or condiment on the sandwich it makes no sense it may be it could be marshmallows and salami i don't know but when you put that together and you eat it it's one of the best most fulfilling sandwiches you've had in your life (laughs) i feel that i feel that that's respectable (laughs) oh boy this this the Macross sandwich. You know, the Zentrani You know ships, what? Friendship really is just a stoner sandwich. I could see that. <laughs> I have 2 a.m. after drinking and hanging with cracking open cold ones with the, the boys. So, 
Uh, but anyway, any any more thoughts you have? Um, I think I'm pretty spent on my sandwich here, my macros sandwich. I yeah, I think we're good for now. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna land on into the plug section, get some switchboards plugged in. So for us here at Dude You Remember Macross, you can find us on anchor.fm slash dude you remember. And those lovely people over Anchor are pushing us over on all your favorite uh, podcast listening platforms of choice. So we're on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. Uh, give us a review, give us stars, give us whatever you want. We'd love to hear from you. And also, um, thank you very much. To all our listeners, um, I was looking at the at the metrics before coming in. We have listeners from all over the world, and we have 90 lessons overall on all our stuff, and that is fantastic. Thank you again for listening to us two yahoos just talking about this robot show. Uh, it's, it's really heartwarming to see that, hey, people like what we're doing. That's awesome. You really like us. You really, really like us. <laughs> You can start calling me Barbara Streisand. Anyway, um, you can find us on the social medias. We are on the Mark Zuckerberg Zone, or as it's most people normally know it as Facebook, at facebook.com slash dude, D-U-D-E, you remember. And then also on Twitter, at dude, you remember. And then if you want to shoot us an email, give us some insight, or just talk to us in a or ask us what we think about the new Sonic the Hedgehog movie and how that relates to Macross for some reason. Uh, shoot us an email at uh, do you re- excuse me? I almost said the whole name again at dyrmcast at gmail.com. And then, uh, speaking of art, wonderful, wonderful art. That's not Sonic anyway. Uh, huge shout out to Chris Eakins, um, artist of the game wrist system for providing the show's key art to see more of his work and keep up with the soon to be release of wrist system check out at wrist system underscore game on twitter wrist system will be out next week i believe on may 14th um it will be vaporized on steam for your pleasure and then uh speaking of sonic um dylan <laughs> uh you um this morning i heard you and mr chris wilson were in fact in the gangster's paradise. Please, please elaborate. Um, okay, so on the latest episode of my other podcast, uh, Backstage Gaming, we talk about the Sonic trailer and we kind of, we don't, you know, rewind theater, um, kind of screenshot for screenshot analyze it, but like we, we talk about some stuff in the trailer that we like and dislike. And initially going into it, we thought we were going to just tear into this, but, um, we actually found a lot that, like, we thought was kind of neat. Um, not saying, like, oh, man, the Sonic movie's going to be great. But, like, just, like, oh, man, this Sonic movie has some cool things going for it. Shame that it was buried in an underwhelming, just weirdly paced trailer. Yeah. That so, trailer you shared with me beforehand was way better than the real one. And also, yeah. I totally... Check out everyone who is remotely interested in the Sonic the Hedgehog movie or Sonic in general should check out the uh, the Triple Q re-edit inspired by, like, Japanese uh, trailer cuts of um, American movies. 
It's good. Like, they're, they're playing the Dragon's Dogma opening. Uh, they actually kind of reveal the story in a way that feels organic without revealing anything about the story. You know, because there's only so many clips to use. And then they also cut out all the weird, like, not funny filler. Yep, it was it's delicious. Though, if we could get bees, the people who do the um, opening Dragon's Dogma, to do a cover of Gangsta's Paradise, it'd be like, <laughs> well, it's better all I'm living here. It's like Aerosmith did a Gangsta's Paradise cover. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yes. <laughs> But where right. can they find uh, the backstage gaming and the associated stuff so they can learn more about the chaos control that is your podcast? Well, you can find us on www.bsgpod.com. Um, you can also check us out on Facebook, on Twitter. Our handle is at BSG underscore cast. And we also have a YouTube. So, yeah, there's that. <laughs> Ooh, Delicious. Uh, did you want to tell me about some unexplored places, too, while we're here? Yes, I am also a, uh, at least for now, I will be a uh, regular on the Unexplored Places cast. It is an actual play podcast, uh, currently using Monster of the Week. And, you know, if you want to hear me as a fortune teller in Victorian era, yeah, Victorian era London, uh, you can check me out at unexploredcast. sorry, unexploredcast dot libsyn so l-i-b-s-y-n dot com fantastic and then if people want to just find you for shit posting and the good stuff where that <laughs> at uh you can find my personal twitter handle at the i spelled it wrong on my own plug page let me correct that real quick <laughs> it's all good <laughs> the t-h-a underscore dilla d-i-l-a um that is my personal twitter account i'm thinking about getting a more professional twitter account but if you want to see me talk about video games anime and dumb shit that is my Mwah. handle Mwah. Muto bene. <laughs> uh, if you want to find my dumb stuff at which is mostly just shit posting and talking about different things and also uh a rando yesterday who i i was seeing uh end game with my dad again no spoilers and this dude was on his phone during the movie and had his socks off in the theater. Um, terrible person. If you want to see stuff like that, check out my Twitter, at RiderStrike. And I do believe that is this week's episode. Thank yeah. you very much for listening. And then next week, we're going to keep on going on this crazy train because Ozzy Osbourne has now told me that we cannot stop. Anyway, have a great week. Toodaloo. Bye-bye. Take care.